let's uh, take a trip behind the page now and, uh, and and dive into the history of She-Hulk and her creation and where she came from. Um, and to do this, we need to go back to the, to the late 70s, a time when Marvel is enjoying great success of the incredible Hulk TV series on CBS, which sparks a lot of interest, renewed interest, heightened interest in the uh, the Hulk comic books. And it makes a Hulk one of like the top two characters at at Marvel. You know, mm. Spider Man is suddenly still number one, but suddenly we got Hulk up there at number two. And launches a bunch of spin offs like spin off comic books and magazines that reach a wider audience, you know, people that may never have read the Marvel comics but like let the T V show, they'll probably pick up the magazine that they find at the news agents at the at the drugstore at the at the supermarket. The Incredible Hulk series was developed for television by a big successful TV producer by the name of Kenneth Johnson. Now Kenneth Johnson's like last big hit or, or concurrent hit um when in in the seventies was the action adventure series The Six Million Dollar Man mm. with the fake Steve Austin. Um when the Six Million Dollar Man was at its height of popularity, Kenneth Johnson decided to expand the franchise by launching a spin off series called The Bionic Woman. Essentially repeating the premise all over again, a, a cyborg kind of secret agent, but with a female lead character, which extended the life of the whole franchise they were doing. Led to another big money-spinning um, TV series. I think it was, I mean, Violet Woman's massive across the world. I think in this country, in the UK, it is the high, it still holds the record, I think, for like the highest viewing figure for any TV series, any science fiction TV mm. series, um, episodes of The Bionic Woman. It was massively popular. Now, because of this kind of female spin-off concept, people at Marvel believe that Kenneth Johnson might try the same kind of spin-off idea with the Incredible Hulk TV show. Mm. And so the company, Marvel Comics, grew concerned that if Johnson did indeed create a female spin-off character of the TV show, whilst they'd have some royalties being paid, Marvel Comics wouldn't own the character fully and wouldn't um, wouldn't be entitled to like the, the lion's share of like they are with the Incredible Hulk. They'd mm. perhaps get a much, much smaller fraction of the money that the spin-off show would make. So it was decided within Marvel that they needed to beat Kenneth Johnson to the punch by creating a female comic book version of the Hulk. Mm. So whatever they would whatever steps they might take from there, that they would be able to own that that even if they called it a different name, even if they called it Lady Hulk yeah. and changed everything else about it, like Marvel would be able to hold up the comic book and say, We created this concept first, mm. thus you know, we've got the, the ownership rights, the control rights, and we've got the lion's share of the money. Apparently, this whole thing was a meta joke in one of the She-Hulk episodes where where Titania copyrights the name She-Hulk. Apparently, this was a meta joke about that whole thing. Hmm. Maybe. It's, it doesn't sound like it's very closely connected to me. Uh, it sounds very loose, that. It could be Easter egg. That sounds to me like the person at entertainment.com has been told to write a top 10 list ran out of ideas at seven and just started loosely banging things together no. like you know everything that's on a youtube video or a top 10 blog they're all like that they've all got two ideas and the rest they pull out of their ass 
I hate them. They're all awful. <laughs> Honestly, they're, 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 they are. They're, gen- they're all terrible. There's very few things covering these topics that are good, and we're one of them, and we're the best. Anyway, so November 1979, Marvel published the Savage She-Hulk, um, which was created by uh, Stanley uh, and 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 John Buscema. Hmm. Now, this is pretty much the last character Stanley created for marvel comics hmm. let's just think about that for a minute yeah from from 1961 and the creation of the fantastic four through the entire marvel universe that we've been exploring movie after movie show after show stanley is like ending his his creative career here his career creating these iconic characters right here with this character She-Hulk 1979. Mm. is kind of it's a massive bookmark it's a massive kind of touchstone in the history of Marvel She-Hulk it's it's like because Stan really is on his way out from this point on yeah yeah he's going to move into kind of more editorial stuff and I think he's even beyond that I think the
She-Hulk's time on the FF was masterminded by writer-artist John Byrne, who developed a special affinity for Shulky, as she is uh, her nickname in, in, in lots of comics. And John Byrne ends up being, like, probably the most important creator to work on the character. Byrne, we've talked about an awful lot with some of our, our in our Phoenix shows, mm. uh, on the Phoenix saga, because John Byrne became, like, the most popular, the best-selling, and maybe the highest-paid comic book artist in the 70s by teaming up with Chris Claremont to transform the X-Men into Marvel's top-selling comic book for obscurity to the biggest thing in all of comics. And uh, he's one of the guys that championed Wolverine and helped launch that character into superstardom because everybody else did not really care about Wolverine. The character was probably going to be killed off and, and ditched. John Byrne left the X-Men and went on to write and draw the Fantastic Four for six years. Mm. One of the longest runs in, in comic books on a series. Um, and it is, that, that, that run, would bring, he brings in She-Hulk for three or four years. And it's, it's, he completely changes the Doctor Doom character. And it's hailed by critics as the second golden age of the Fantastic Four after Stanley and, and Jack Kirby in the, in the 60s. Byrne is then recruited by DC Comics to come in and completely reboot Superman. Oh. Um, they, they've already had Crisis on Infinite Earths, which completely ends the 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 timeline that DC have had yes. since the 30s. Yeah. They start with a brand new timeline in the 80s, modern retellings um, and updated versions of all their characters, and they recruit John Byrne to come in and give us um, the the modern interpretation of of, of Superman, which is a, a version of the character that lasts throughout the modern age, right up until like twenty, lasts for twenty five years. But then, when he returns to Marvel Comics in nineteen eighty nine, editor Mark Grunwald gets with John Byrne to create a bold new relaunch of She Hulk, and challenges Grunwald challenges John Byrne to come up with something completely different for the character something that had never been seen before. So the sensational She-Hulk launches in 1989 and brought us a snarky, sarcastic She-Hulk. Some of that personality was there in the Fantastic Four, mm. but it's it's increased an awful lot in, in her own title. A, a version of She-Hulk that knows that she exists in a comic book <laughs> and would address the reader directly yeah. and would even argue with the writers and editors of the comic. Um, another hallmark of Sensational She-Hulk, which did help make it popular, for better or worse, was how it made use of what, what is known as cheesecake poses. What is a cheesecake pose? You've heard of a beefcake, right? Oh, yeah. So glamour modelling, where... The subject is presented in kind of an overtly sexualized manner, sexualized mm. poses. With with women, it was it, the term erotic photography is not really applicable. Okay, because erotic sounds like you're nearly doing porn. Yeah, this is kind of and it, when it's when their attempts are made to make it kind of classy and the clothes are kept on, <laughs> but it's still it's still a little bit ooh sexual. That's generally called cheesecake. When the similar thing happens with men, it's known as beefcake. Oh, because they're showing off their muscles, objectification that way. Got it. Got it. 
all objectification, but of course we have to remember that objectification of men is never, ever, ever the same as objectification of women. Gotcha. Um, just just because I can feel certain people are going to come in and say, well, men are always uh, in superhero comics. They're always drawn with big muscles. It's not, it's not the, the same. same, dude. And you know it's not the same. Sit down. <laughs> so John Burns' She-Hulk is a character that has like an active dating life, mm. was presented as this kind of 80s, 90s, modern, sexually liberated, sex-positive modern woman. Albeit, being written through the lens and perspective of an older man who might not really grasp what feminism is. Or if he did, he's grasping what we might call the 90s post postmodern feminism, and, and who knows if that's a good thing or not. I have to say so, something here, sorry to interrupt, but okay. when I was having a conversation with my brother about She-Hulk, and uh, his wife stepped in and went, oh, I'm really, I really love it, I'm really enjoying it, but how, how come her hair is suddenly amazing when she's She-Hulk? How come she looks amazing? And I went, because it's based on a comic, and the original comic was written and drawn by a man. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- so... The thing I just talked about before Will <laughs> interjected... I have that important sex things positive, to say. The modern women and sexually liberated. Mm. This had never been done before in mm. a major DC or Marvel comic book. This portrayal of a lead female character as being um, independent, but independent in her... So possessing agency over her personal life, mm. that was truly groundbreaking. But by, by the end of the 80s, like women in superhero comics might have been able to take charge of fighting the bad guys and winning battles and saving the world. But the presentation of their personal lives was still wholly stunted yeah. by the fact it's the 80s and the 90s. Society as a whole was still like a world away from Sex and the City, Bridget mm. Jones, Ali McBeal, things that really changed pop culture and the public discourse and, and public the way we viewed women's personal lives. So it was this odd thing of you could have like Wonder Woman be incredibly liberated as like a fighter and a hero, but she wouldn't be like what you might consider sex positive, sexually liberated in a personal life. Yeah. Because that's just, it was an old, old time and there weren't as many forthright writers in the game. They were all men. So, as part of this presentation of She-Hulk, sex-positive, modern woman, John Byrne utilised a lot of cheesecake artwork, almost glamorised poses and artwork, both in the front covers and within the comic itself. Almost always drawing attention in a sarcastic way to exactly what was going on Mm. and presenting the sexual poses in a metafictional way. Right. Um, drawing attention to it and mocking it. So two issues tested the limits of the comic code authority due to the sexualization of the of the artwork. Um, issue thirty four of Sensational She Hulk makes reference to I think the front cover makes reference to a Vanity Fair cover where Demi Moore was nude and pregnant, ah. and She Hulk kind of copies that pose but withholding a beach ball instead of a pregnant belly. Gotcha. Um, and that was went back and forth with the Comic Code Authority. And then issue 40, um, She-Hulk is depicted um, jumping, skipping, jumping rope. Yes. Apparently completely naked. Mm. With the... 
in comic books, when you something moves very, very fast, you'll have blur lines to this. indicate it's moved very, very fast. So if you're having someone skipping rope, there'll be blur right lines to indicate they're skipping rope. So in this, it, it's it's apparently the presentation is that She-Hulk is completely nude, but with her breasts and genitals covered by the blur lines of the skip rope. Hmm. Both these that ends up being a, not the case, and it's kind of slightly subverted. But is it really subverted? For this, <laughs> and look, I'm not a smart dude. I turn to smart people. There's a project called the Sequential Scholars, um, a project by Dr. Andrew uh, Demon and Dr. Anna Peppard. And their whole project, which you can find on sequentialscholars.com, um, is to, and they've got a Twitter, is to make the academic study of comic books accessible to everyone. Mm. And they speak very knowledgeably and intelligently about the cheesecake and the feminism presented or not presented in this really important landmark series. Sequential scholars wrote about this. The series' sexualization of its title character is is controversial and complicated. Sensational She-Hulk is a confident, sexually liberated career woman, not in spite of being big and green, but because of it. Transforming into She-Hulk helps Jennifer Walters reject patriarchal expectations designed to control women. She also offers self-reflexively critiques of the poses. Mm. Um, So we then get this, this shot as an example of She-Hulk in a swimsuit, I believe, lying down, luxuriating on on the panel and saying, you know, Bernie boy loves doing cheesecake shots of me, mostly because the readers don't mind if he scrimps on the backgrounds, as long as I'm doing something interesting in the foreground. And sure enough, there is nothing in the background. He has drawn no no building, no wall, no skyline, (laughs) nothing. He's just drawn a very attractive pose of she-hulk and that goes on to have another character say but what about your female readership she-hulk isn't this the book that wives and girlfriends say they love to read even if they don't normally read any comics at all so that's Mm. a little snippet of drawing attention to it and doing it in a in a a different manner rather than just here's a pose scarlet scholars going to say but she-hulk is not a real person (laughs) as such her access to agency depends on the desires of the people creating and consuming her stories from 89 to 94 she was written and drawn by men and her stories were largely read by and marketed to men and boys in other words while she hooks assertion of sexual agency was revolutionary within a genre that typically sidelines female desire it is convenient that her expressions of sexuality prioritize the male gaze Hmm. essentially her feminine the idea of projecting feminism is also hey look at me aren't i sexy yes which is something that men and boys love to look at in this context we can ask whose fantasies does she hulk embody Hmm. this question is complicated by the fact that she hulk's discovery of liberation through self-objectification was a popular idea within the mainstream feminism of the 1990s, particularly with the cultural trend scholars commonly referred to as post-feminism. Yes. This is something I remember hugely from that time period. Like, to me, when I was younger, feminism kind of meant um, women, I guess, dressing, being okay with dressing sexy and having men look at them. 
which was a very odd if you look back at it and think of it but that seemed to be how it was portrayed in movies and tv shows and comic books it's it's an odd one because i remember doing this in film studies and media studies back in the day and we talked about like laura mulvey and the male gaze and whatnot and then you hear about second wave feminism third wave feminism then you realize that feminism as a whole isn't just one particular thing it's actually a collective of different ideologies Uh, and and it's 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 incredible when you really get down to it and just think like oh and then some people think that you shouldn't be one of these things you should be this and it's it's uh, caused quite a bit of debate amongst people who all are on the side of feminism basically the final word from the scholars objectification is exceedingly complicated Mm. as are its manifestations and effects and there is certainly empowerment to be found in the sensational she-hulk series yet there is also room to question who or what is the subject of each joke Mm. and who or what is the object like i i was really drawn to what they were presenting here like just because john byrne has snarky comments drawing attention to the fact that he's doing objectifying cheesecake pictures. Does that actually really subvert the fact that he's still drawing (laughs) sexy women for men and boys to drool over? I'm not sure it does. Like, I just wanted to make sure we had that in there because whilst I have very fond memories of Sensational She-Hulk, and Mm. whilst it does strongly influence um, some of the, uh, the direction of this TV series... I don't want to send people running in this direction and have them go, oh, God, what am I reading? What am I looking at here? Um, I think we want to make sure that we're uh, viewing everything through the right uh, lens. Yes. Um, John Byrne is a controversial figure. He had fallings out with editors twice on the series. He left after, like, the first year and then didn't come back to the series for a couple of years and then kept writing and drawing She-Hulk for a few more years and then left again um once he stopped his involvement with the series altogether i'd say all the kind of originality of the character really just stopped Mm. no more comedy no more comic book satire no more fourth wall breaking um and and probably a lot less controversial cheesecake poses Mm. she hook went back to being just another action adventure character smash things fight things and didn't really spark much interest in the public beyond her involvement in avengers stories and then in 2004 the creative team of dan slot and juan bobilo launched a new she-hulk series which returned the character to comedy to superhero introkes, light-hearted wacky soap opera stories and i believe it's this series that is probably the biggest influence on the Disney Plus Marvel TV show. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind-the-page, behind-the-scenes and comic book Marvel history. (laughs) 